from verses 1 to 18. So John sets out this kind of prologue to help the readers understand the different themes and before going deeper into the person of Jesus in the following 21 chapters. So as he writes this book in around 85 AD, he is an old man. He is only the, yes, the only one of the apostles alive and he has gone through so much in his life for Christ. So he probably recalls as a young teenager seeing John the baptizer pointing towards Lord Jesus in the book of in John chapter 1 verse 29 kind of says here that John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So John witnessed so much he so much seeing and hearing and experiencing the teachings and miracles of Jesus. He witnessed the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and was part of the day of Pentecost where, where, he, where the church had started, but he also saw the church develop as it grew over the decades. So we see we see so much going on. And the Holy Spirit is really convicting him to write this gospel letter. He is burdened for the church as he saw the, the false teachings such as Gnosticism influencing the church through its philosophy. So this Gnosticism kind of saw Jesus as someone less than God. They wanted to deny Jesus of his deity. And also deny him being fully God and deny he lived a perfect man here on earth. So it's worth while we study through the book of John, um, it's worth reading the whole book in your own time, and, but also it's also worth getting into his first, second and third epistles of John and these will give you a better overview of what the Holy Spirit is inspiring John to write. And also the book of Revelation is another book that he had penned. So John's big idea and his burden to write is found in the book of John chapter 20 verse 31. But he says here, but these are written that ye might believe and that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So you'll notice some key words here, believe and life. And it was imperative that John, his readers, came to believe, to believe in Jesus and to have life through his name. So last time we concentrated on the first three verses, how Jesus was revealed to us as the Logos. He was the Word. So this week 
as we know that the word is Jesus, we are going to study about Jesus, the light in the darkness, and continuing from the first three verses we studied, we'll look at three points. Jesus, our first point will be, Jesus is the source of light, of life and light, verses 45. And secondly, Jesus was testified by John, verses 69. And thirdly, Jesus was rejected by the world, in verses 10 to 13. So firstly, Jesus, the Word, is the source of life. Jesus, if you look at verse 4, Jesus is the life. In verse 4, where it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. John isn't talking about our natural biological life, but, but Christ is the spiritual life, being the source of eternal life. In him was life. The Greek word for, for life here is zoe, and it's used 36 times in the book of John. If you kind of notice from the last time we studied, we looked at some repeated words, and that one word was called was. And this is so important because it has an idea of continuance. So this word, so this verse would read, In him continually was life, and the life continually was the light of men. Amen. So, so the life was and is and always be eternal. The life Jesus predates time and creation and there is no no beginning. So let's look closer at life. There are three different words in the Greek for life. There is one called bios, which we get the word biology. It kind of means like a a physical, biological life, and it's used in a negative kind of way in Luke chapter 8, verse 14, where Jesus spoke about the seed falling on thorns. And as the, the seed grows, the thorns suck the life, the bios, out of the seed that grows. So it's like people who fall into a materialistic kind of lifestyle instead of believing in God's word. So secondly, we see the word here, there's a word called psyche, and that's where we get our, get our words, like psychiatry or psychology. And the word of life can be translated as soul life, your, maybe some of your Bible translations might have that in the, in the reference, but, but it essentially means that it's your inner mental life, your mind, your emotions, and will. 
In the book of Matthew, chapter 16, verse 25, it kind of reads this about it. For whosoever will save his soul, life, shall lose it. And whoever will lose his life, for my sake, shall find it. So, the word called Zoe in the New Testament is the term it's used to speak of complete quality and fullness of life. That is both the nature of God and comes from God that is continuous and it will last for all eternity. So it's new life, new Zoe and it is imputed to us believers at the time of the new birth being born again. So our physical bodies, our physical bodies, the way that we function are the bios and the psyche is what we might refer to as the soul. In the place of our, it is the kind of it's the, the place of our feelings, feelings, emotions, desires, and affections. But, but it is incomplete and self-centered without Zoe or the fullness of God. So without Zoe, we are spiritually dead and without hope. In our current culture, it's very much about me, 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 mm. and our psyche in its kind of unregen unregenerated kind of state looks inward. But when we have been regenerated, washed in the blood of the Lamb, our psyche stops looking inwards and starts looking upwards to the light of our salvation. So the word Jesus embodies spiritual life and this life comes only through through him so this new life that 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 full it, it's rich in abundance and it will last for all eternity and the book of john in chapter 10 verse 10 kind of tells us something of this about the thief cometh not but for to steal, and to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, that life, Zoe, that they might have it more abundantly. Amen. So here in John, again in another one in John 40 verse 6, it says here, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto me, Unto, unto the Father, but by me. So John reminds us in his gospel that there is no spiritual life apart from Christ. God is the God of life, and it is through Jesus that we receive eternal life. So in John chapter 6 verse 40 kind of spells this out for us and it says this and this is the will of him that sent me that everyone that saith the son and believeth on him 
may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So our second part of verse 4 says, it says, And the light was the light of men. And Jesus, in a way, gives us a spiritual illumination. His light kind of shines before us and he directs how, how we should live our lives and how we should live his, our lives for him. So Jesus, in verse 5, Jesus is the light, in verse 5, and it kind of says here, And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehend it not. John changes his way of writing here from the imperfect tense with the word, with the words was. In the last four verses, in the past, there was a past action that's ongoing or continuous to the present tense, describing a kind of a continual action that the light shineth, that the light of the world is presently shining. So can this verse kind of reminds me of them, of creation. It reminds me of them, of looking back at Genesis chapter 1, where, where first creation, where darkness existed, till God called the light into being. But in this verse, in John, the darkness is evil. The verse is saying that the darkness could not comprehend the light because it was inferior to it. So the word comprehend could be translated as apprehend, like to grab or to seize. In other words, the light can't not be conquered by the darkness. So it is Jesus that brings the victory and the light to a dark world. As 2 Corinthians 4, verse 3 and 4 says, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, and whom the God of this world hath blinded, the minds of them which believe not, least the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. So that light has come, that light has come into the world, and for the believer, the world's darkness is swept away in Jesus. I imagine whoever opened up tonight, or maybe yours were quite early tonight, so just, I mean, in the winter nights when you come in, I imagine when you open the door and fit on, on that light switch and the light comes on and the darkness kind of disappears and you have a lit room and when we come to Christ that kind of, in a way, that spiritual darkness disappears. For Psalm 36 verse 9 says, For with thee is a fountain of life in Thy light shall we see light. 
Recently, we had the Scottish family party here, and I was shocked by the darkness and evil that the Scottish government have brought upon our country with the, the, the attempts to infuse kind of left-wing ideologies and agendas into our schools, into our workplaces, and into kind of every kind of facet into our lives. But this is, could happen even in our church, including our church where where they could get their, the government could get their way with this con, um, con, conversion therapy bill that is currently being proposed. Mm. But what shocked me most and what kind of broke me that day was the number of children being murdered in the womb. According to the national statistics in 2022, there were 46,959 live births in Scotland, with 16,584 abortions. A 19% abortion increase from 2021, and it means that approximately one in four babies are being murdered in the womb in Scotland. So if legal abortion is in darkness, then I don't know what is. This is a huge blanket of evil that hangs over Scotland. But, but we do have hope. It's dark, it's a dark world. But the darkness can never snuff out that, out the light of believers who pray and who preach and vote against these kind of matters. The light shines in the darkness. I want to look down at verses 6 to 9 here. Our second point, Jesus was testified by John. We come to a kind of abrupt kind of change in the, the narrative here. From the first five verses of the Word of God, and firstly, uh, in verse 6, it says here, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. So who was this John? In the book of John, John the Baptist is referred to simply as John. So where else in the synoptic gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark and Luke, he is called John the Baptist. If you notice the word sent in the Greek, it kind of means apostello, where we get the word apostle, the one who is sent is the one that he is sent out or sent off. So in verses 7 and 8 you kind of find out that you kind of find out why he was sent out. And it reads here the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. In verse 8 he says he was not that light, but was sent to bear 
witness of that light. This signified the role that God had ordained for John the Baptist even before before his birth and to be a, he was to be a witness of the light, leading people to believe in Jesus. If you notice the word light, it has a capital L and this is the Lord Jesus. Just like we saw the word last time we saw the capital W in verse 1. So John the Baptist himself is not the light, but he has come to proclaim the coming of the Messiah so that through, that through him others might come out, of, come out of darkness into eternal life through believing so as we look closer at John the Baptist, he kind of proclaimed in, in Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 to 2, it says here, In those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And we kind of read kind of parallel kind of passages in Mark chapter 1 verses 2 and 8, and Luke chapter 3 verses 1 to 20 but he kind of preached repentance for the remittance of sin and it's good that look here he tells us he tells us here in Acts chapter 19 verse 4 then said Paul John barely baptized with the baptism of repentance saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. So this passage could be confusing, confusing for the for the reader, and that if people were baptized to have their sins forgiven, they had to repent of their sins and believe in Christ, and were baptized, who was to come as the public ministry of Jesus hasn't, hadn't already um, started. So also, repentance can be misunderstood. People often think of repentance as doing some kind of penance, or kind of feeling sorry for yourselves, or but no kind of real change of heart. But there are those who think repentance is a kind of trying to kind of reform yourself, and try and make yourself into a better person. But true repentance in the Greek is metanoia, which means to have a, a change of mind or to think differently. But it goes further than just a surface level of a change of mind. It means to have a heartily amend one's ways with absolute abhorrence <coughs> to past sins. It's in a way, it's a 180 turn away from the, that word psyche, the thoughts and desires of the past to a new way of thinking. So John the Baptist, the Jewish kind of leaders, religious leaders were kind of interested 
and John the Baptist's message. So John the Baptizer um, shared his testimony to the priests and Levites, and they were kind of sent by the Jews who were the kind of chief priests of that day. And if you cast your eyes down to verse 19 and 28 of this first chapter, you can see that after some inquisitive kind of questions, asking John the baptizer who he was, and he said, he said, I, he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, as said the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah in the King James is kind of, is the name for, for Isaiah. And John the Baptist was kind of quoting um, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. And it reads here that the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight the desert a highway of, for our God. I don't want to kind of park here too, too long. As we'll study more of John the Baptist in the coming months, but in a way, Isaiah chapter 40, verses 3 and 5, kind of directly kind of speaks of the kind of 900 mile journey of the Jewish people from Babylon to Israel. And this was where the Lord led the way. And John the Baptist is applying this to himself to kind of illustrate that he is preparing the way for, for Jesus, but for Jesus, for his ministry. So in verse 9 of John 1, we read that, we read that, that was the true light which lighted every man that cometh into the world. John says, Jesus is the true light. Not just any light, but the true light. John knew many lights, many false teachers, many false teachers, but that were, that, that people were following. There's a commentary that, um, and some sermons that I follow um, of a man called Harry Ironside, of who pastored in Moody Church. And in his commentary notes, he said this There are so many false, flickering lights that men follow to their own ruin and destruction, but Jesus is the true light. Notice the second part of this verse. John stresses that the, the true light gives light to everyone, but says, but says, which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. So some people use this verse for what we call universalism. It's a kind of belief that Christ died for every single person who ever lived, and that all paths 
will ultimately lead them to one end. But is John teaching this? Certainly not. In John 3, verse 19 to 20, he reads this. And this is the condemnation that light is come into the world. And men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be removed. Many people don't like their deeds exposed the way they don't like being exposed to the way they have lived, being shone in the light of God to be their light kind of exposed to God. So you might have friends and family members that kind of mm, don't want to be around you much. This could be because, this is probably because of your desire to serve and live for God. Sometimes they feel intimidated, but kind of feel intimidated by us. And the more we speak and witness, they kind of clamber up, up more. So they need deep prayer so that they will come and believe and to receive us. Verse 7 makes it clear that all men through him might believe. And as it is a, as it, it's better to live in the light than the darkness. So lastly, and the last point, Jesus being rejected by the world in verses 10 to 13. Verse 10 reads, he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Verse 10, he was in the world, signifies Christ coming down, taking the nature upon himself, and living amongst us. Look at these words closely, I get so much sadness from them. And the world knew him not. We were created by God. We were created in the image of God. And he came to dwell among us. Jesus, the light, he came to shine in the darkness. But the depraved darkness, darkened minds of man, they failed to recognise him. So do you think some of them were ignorant or blinded or they just choose to snub Jesus because he exposed their sin and they, in a way they didn't want their kind of conscience, consciousness being pricked by the truth? As we look at verse 11, it says he came unto his own and his own received him not. Notice two repeated words here. His own. Firstly, the first use kind of means he came into his own, his creation, our planet Earth. 
is to own in the second part of this verse, and it's own received him not, is in the kind of masculine and refers to his people. He came to the chosen people, the nation of Israel. But but Israel, at first, they did not accept him as the Messiah, despite holding on to the Old Testament oracles of God, which clearly kind of told them that to expect when the, when the Messiah was to come. So we can see in Israel today, as a nation, they are still chosen by God, but spiritually, they are not. And their eyes have been veiled until the grafting of the Gentiles is complete in the Romans 11. So in verse 12 of John, of John 1, the two important words received and believed. Those who not only believe on the name of the Lord and receive him, who put their faith in him, are received into the kingdom. It says here, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So we have been, we are given the power and authority to become sons, to become sons or children of the living God. Becoming the sons of God, we are being born again. Does not come from kind of our kind of planning or through or through our planning or works it is purely a gift of God. Amen. So lastly in verse 13 which which reads here which were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. To be born again, you must be born of God and not of kind of human blood, flesh or will. As the Apostle Peter says this in 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 22 to 23, he reads this. Seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and sincere love of the brethren, See that you love one another with a pure heart, fervently, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abide forever. So we live here in a dark world here in Scotland, and much of the world is also in this kind of spiritual darkness. It's filled with people who don't, who won't receive Christ, and they be and they kind of persist in rejecting him. So only God can change them. And it is great that um, Vision Church here has a burden, just like John, to reach the lost with his word. And we cannot we can't save anyone, God alone that saves. But we can shine the light of Christ to be a witness up to the glorious light of the gospel in that we do whatever we are. 